Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck, coming at you live from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company. We are continuing our great conversation that we had going uh, with Jess Harrison and Dominique Williams. We're, we're very thankful that they were able to stick around, keep this conversation going. We knew this was going to be two parts. Yeah. We encourage all the listeners, go back, listen to part one. A lot of it won't make sense uh, if you don't, but you'll get the introductions on both Dom and, and Jess. Probably could be 10 parts. Yeah, yeah, you're right. We probably do this, you know, multiple times down the road here. Uh, but in, in part one, Jess, correct me if I'm wrong, we covered Dr. Frey went over what's happening physiologically for a concussion. Yeah, we covered general anatomy and physiology. Yeah. We covered the spectrum of concussion to traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. um, we talked a little bit about Dom's experience. Or do you prefer to go by Dominique? Am I shortening your name when I shouldn't be? No, that's perfect. He likes, he likes Dom. I like um, one syllable. One yeah. syllable. <laughs> uh, we talked about his experience with the NFL and like his process mm -hmm. of that pre and post testing. Yeah. Um, and then we worked our way up until you've had an injury. You have consulted with your athletic trainer and you have just left the physician's office after your first visit. A little bit of sideline management, some very early yeah. initial treatment, that kind of stuff. So in Jess's utopia... The patient has been referred for treatment with a concussion specialist like Jess Harrison, right? Yeah. So, Dom, this is where I, I thought it'd be really interesting to hear about the times that you remember. And then, I, and I know you have said that not every one of them were quote unquote documented concussions, right. but what do you recall about the process to get back on the field? And again, this is in no way meant to take a dig at any of your sports medicine professionals that you've had in the past. We have the utmost respect for them all. Times have changed. Like Times the have changed. That's, has, that's has the big evolved. thing I think yeah. we're getting at. Never. So I would say before my professional experience, none of my concussions were documented because I didn't make them seem like they were concussions. Right. You know, I was a tough player. I was the blue chip. Pittsburgh Steelers, still curtain type of player. <laughs> that was the type of player that I was, and and I never showed that I was hurt. But one, again, once I read, once I not read, saw the movie Concussion, yeah. I realized that oh, those were concussions. Right. So when I got to the NFL and I got my severe concussion. You know, that process was pretty extensive. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they did do their due diligence of making sure that I was okay to play. Right. right. I mean, how, like, do you think about how times have changed? I mean, how there's now concussion spotters in the NFL yeah. and, you know, and it's just like everything has changed in that, in that realm. Money's involved. Yeah. <laughs> right. To be honest. Right. Yeah. You know, they had a, a huge settlement. Mm -hmm. that they had to pay out a lot of players for concussions. Of course. I'm still waiting on mine. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I would say that they do, you know, the trainer that, that I was involved mm -hmm. with, he was concerned about my safety. Right. That's so crazy. he did hold me out probably a week or two more than I wanted mm -hmm. to. Yeah. In those two weeks, Dom, I mean, what do you recall? I mean, I know what it's – I think I won't put words in Jess' mouth. I feel like I know what that return is supposed to look like. Right. Can Can you recall like those two weeks, like the level of activities? So it was actually like a three and a half week process. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was physical therapy. 
Honestly, that's what it felt like. Jess's eyes just lit up, big smile on her yeah, face. Yeah, it was literally and physical therapy. I have a lot therapy. of questions <laughs> as to what you were doing. Um, <laughs> I did the computer thing, whatever. Yeah. I kept passing that. That yeah. was nothing. Good. And all I, I remember getting the EKG. It was a lot of physical therapy. It was a lot of like moderate things. It was a lot of slow steps mm. into speeding that thing up mm -hmm. and then now you're ready to play so did you a, have an understanding of what they were doing while they were doing he it explained it to me okay yeah. All right, good. you know I, I and earlier i was looking up the trainer's name I, I keep forgetting his name um i can't find it yeah but in hearing everything about concussions and the protocols were i want to say that he did a, a great job yeah. he did a great job right he did a, okay <laughs> before we get into what that protocol looks like jess i'm, I'm interested when did that referral to physical therapy become prominent? You mean like when do I typically expect it or when does it no. become I, prominent in practice or both? I guess I'm not, I'm not even sure. I just know like I've seen you work on a day-to-day -day basis. Yes. And you've done things that I've, I've never seen done in a lot. And, you know, when did that physical therapy component become prominent? I, I don't think that was normally or standardly way back when part of the return to play program. Why do you feel like it started really becoming a factor? It's still not standard. Here's, Which is here's a prominent right? example. Yeah. I, 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 my education from Westchester University, I think was second to none, but I don't remember a huge component of concussion. Like, you know, and we don't do rehab like you do in physical therapy by any mm -hmm. means, right? But we, we go over it, but I don't remember that concussion aspect. And I'm just curious, like, was that just after my graduation or was that or is that only something that they do in PT school? I mean, you've done both, right? I mean, yeah. So I did athletic training and, and physical therapy. And I think that it is it is an unfortunate thing that we don't give athletic trainers a little bit more of that rehab side. Mm -hmm. But as we talked about, it's extremely complex. Mm -hmm. And as an athletic trainer, you're juggling so many teams, potentially so mm -hmm. many athletes that. At the end of the day, unfortunately, there's only so much you can do. And, yeah. So I think that it has been pushed a little bit more towards PTs to mm -hmm. do that rehab side. Now, I've been involved with some athletes where their athletic trainer has done some visual exercises, mm -hmm. which is not usually common. Mm -hmm. But I do think that along with what we said in the first episode, that when that movie Concussion came out, yeah. it sort of became more prominent that the public, the people who were in the medical field were like, oh, we really need to start doing more about this. People know that it's mm -hmm. it really is a serious issue. Right. So I would say in the last 10 years even, maybe 15, that concussion rehab has become more prominent and I learned a lot more about it in PT school because I was very very fortunate to be trained by very very skilled individuals who they are truly experts in this field and I also went through the rehab personally I had a concussion for over about eight months mm -hmm. and so I I lived it I was taught it so that's where that's I try to bring that extra piece to my rehab because I know what it means to have it or not have it. So um, I'm, I'm very curious because I actually don't know exactly what goes into the, the, the what, what are some of the things that you're doing in that process. I'm kind of curious, Dom, to find out your experience. 
Like, what are some of the things that you're doing in that process for the athlete as you're trying to get them back on track? And then did you, Dom, did you actually experience and do some of those things that Jess is going that, to that's what I was hopefully hoping to, tell to, us like, about? Maybe Jess goes through what we know as the return to play today. Right. And then maybe that, to use this term loosely, jogs your memory a bit. And we pair that up with what Dom, Dom remembers from his time. So we can definitely do that. It could be a little bit complex. Sure. Because um, again, this is a puzzle with many, many pieces. Like we're talking like a 2000 piece puzzle. It can't be here. more complex <laughs> than Dr. Frey with the axons, axons. and neurons. And the stretching. And the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even get into apoptosis and whatnot, but whatever. <laughs> I usually use I'm going like to be a, reviewing that myself when uh, this is over. Cup when I talk about anatomy. So like we were very different here. And it was like, you can go both ends of the spectrum. Um, so I would say with what symptoms you recalled having you were likely in the categories of having more migraine headache and some mood anxiety because you said you were very sad after your concussion um potentially some cognitive because it sounds like they did a lot of like physical activity grading mm. so that's pretty standard right mm -hmm. so a lot of the things that you'll see me do with some of my individuals um, are a little more complex than what he probably needed. Mm -hmm. So they probably did some exposure to light and or sound, as well as checked your blood pressure or your rate of perceived exertion on yep. a treadmill or on a bike. Yep. And then you slowly got to work back into like, okay, we're gonna run drills, but you're not in pads, you're not in cleats, or yep. we're gonna do it inside, now we're doing it outside. Yep. So adding those extra layers. Add the, like, you know, you add the football after you do the drills without the football, right. like slow progressions and that. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were lucky to get a little bit more of a straightforward approach because even though migraines and headaches can be very detrimental to your physical activity, we know that if we grade things and you are open to it, things will get better yeah. with time. Now, when we're talking about some of the other overlaying pieces like ocular motor, vestibular, and right. a stronger cognitive component, you have to factor in that individual's extreme fatigability. You also have to look at, I have to get them to be able to use their eyes and trust their vestibular system again. So a lot of the things that I think, Jason, maybe you're referring to me doing not having seen anywhere else is I will have them do different visual exercises. Like I'll put a laser on their head and they have to find a certain letter in the alphabet on a crossword I have on the wall. And they have to find that with their eyes and then their head. So you're training them like, this is where your eyes go and now this is where your head and neck goes. Because um, there's also components where it's not within the category of a concussion, but if someone has a cervical dysfunction, mm -hmm. that can overlay an issue for your concussion. And now you're dealing with other things and you might think it's vestibular, but it's truly coming from the neck. So I also look at their neck range of motion, their neck strength, and sometimes peripheral vision. So there's a lot of different ways you can go with this. I don't know how much deeper you want me to go. I can keep going, but did I don't you do want any of that lasers like... on your forehead. I did <laughs> lasers on my forehead. No, but I did do um, hand eye coordination things. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, it's a big component. He even had me juggle. Really? <laughs> Good. So I learned how to juggle. All right. 
And a lot of this is just technology improvement of, I mean, he's, they're still working the same things here with yeah. the juggling and, yeah. but now right. we just incorporate laser beams attached yeah. to our head. <laughs> and, and the, I'm a big fan of Austin Powers. Right, right. Laser beams Sharks attached and to that. Yeah. The juggling is, a, is an advanced visual exercise. Right. So like I said, because it doesn't sound like you had a lot of visual impairment, you mm. were able to kind of skip some of those baseline things that I need to do or foundational, I will say, foundational things that I have to do to get them to reuse their visual system correctly. And yeah. you kind of just got to go right into the more progression of sport activities. He still, no, I will say everything was like a progression. Yeah. If I was good at it, if I, if I were great, mm -hmm. he probably let it happen for like, I had two sessions. Mm -hmm. So I would come in in the morning, you know, I'll go through the, you know, I wouldn't go through the meetings with everybody. I have my session. He'll have me relax after my session and then we'll go again and I would, I would feel fine. Mm -hmm. I would just have little slight headaches. And I, I had to be honest because I didn't want to rush it and I didn't want to make it even worse. Did you know that back then? What? Not to rush it? No. Yeah. <laughs> I just, like I said, I watched it. But, but you were still doing it the right, the right way though. Right? I was no. scared, man. I, you know, back again, then? Yeah, Junior Seau was one of my favorite players. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. sad, so, so when you were in this three week progression, you, you knew of, the importance of being truthful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, listen. We haven't exactly asked for your exact timeline. That's why I, I'm still trying to put together like the movie, your concussion, you know, things like that. I love my life more than I love the game. That's great. Right. Yeah. I mean, and and as well you said, said. I, yeah. if I'm not ready, I'm not going to play. Right. <laughs> you know, the, in that book in League of Denial, which I think concussion is based on League of Denial, you know, one of the very incriminating things that came out was, was, was one actually, very and I think it was the source of like you mentioned like the, the the big settlement the big lawsuit is that the NFL was really covering a lot of this stuff up they actually went to great lengths hiring docs and hiring people to put them in place to basically produce for the most part false results and false studies to sort of cover up the potential impact which we don't know definitively for sure at this point but some of the potential impact that it appears to be linked to concussions which is it's very serious stuff. And Junior Seau's is kind of the prime example. Came out, uh, you know, all happening right around the same time and really shed a lot of light on this. Yeah. And it sounds like you were also at that turning point where concussion post-injury used to be, okay, go sit in a dark room until you have no symptoms and then we'll work you back in. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you got to start a lot earlier and you were aware of your symptoms. Much I like better. to say you respected the symptoms because we now know that really that time out of activity should only be about 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. And then you can respectfully slowly work back into activity if your symptoms are not spiking. Right. I would say I was with the New York Jets at the time and the athletic trainer, his name was John Melody. I remember now. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, <laughs> John he's, Melody. He's great. You know, him? I know the name. Yeah, he wouldn't know me from Adam, but um, I have a huge respect for all athletic trainers. And I've always had, you know, he was NFL. such a cool guy. Yeah. Right. And he made me feel comfortable being honest. Yeah. So I would say, you know, that led me to it wasn't pressure. Yeah. It was just like, listen, if you're not OK, you know, it's OK. We'll get you to being OK right. again. Listen, you'll be fine. He always made sure that and it's you'll not be fine. abnormal to not be OK, given this you know, circumstance. Right. Yeah. You know? And it, and it, again, he prioritized my life over the game. Yeah. Can't ask for and anything more. Sometimes it pisses you off at the time, but yeah. in retrospect, as fast as I wanted to get back, he, right. you know, 
kind of told me to take my time. He said, if it's meant to be, it'll be. Yeah. Um, and I worked and I practiced and I got released. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, things happen. In that three weeks, Dom, when did you feel ready? I felt ready uh, a week and a half. After a week, honestly. Yeah. And, and then can you go into like maybe a little bit more detail? Like in that first week, you felt what versus then those symptoms went away? First two days, it was an extreme headache. And then it was a light sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And then I was moody. Yeah. And then after that, everything started to die down. You know, talking to my family, talking to my friends, talking to the trainers. I started to feel a little bit more better. Mm -hmm. The headaches went down. Light sensitivity went away slightly. And then that second week, I'm like, okay, but it's a progression. It's like, you feel good, mm -hmm. but we have to make sure that you are good. Right. Yeah. So then they spent, you know, it was kind of like baby steps. Yeah. Okay, let's jog. Right. You know, first it was let's walk, then let's jog, then let's sprint. Mm -hmm. Then let's go outside and do the drills. Mm -hmm. Now you're ready for practice. Yeah, so that, that part was long. And I think this is a perfect opportunity, Jess. I mean, are you able to maybe give a, a summary or an overview of what maybe your return to play protocol looks like? I really appreciate you calling it a protocol because I think it looks different for every person. Right. So okay. his is pretty straightforward, right? Um, other individuals, like I just had a field hockey player. So, and her- What was her, what was her name? Nice track. Um, and her, her, her concussion was a little bit more visual. Yeah. So we started with just like, you have to track a pen with an X on it. Yeah. And then as soon as you can do that with no symptoms, then we start tracking a lacrosse ball, which is the closest thing I had to a field hockey ball at the time. And you're tossing it hand to hand. So kind of like juggling, Stuff you're doing. Um, which we talked about. You kind of did that within your return to sport progression. Yeah. Um, and then she had to walk up and down the turf while also doing that with the ball. So now we're doing visual activity with movement. And then she got to walk up and down the turf mm -hmm. holding her stick and then tracking the ball with the stick, and then we increase the speed. So that's just one track of what kind of led her back to sport. So but behind the scenes of all that, she's also doing strengthening for her neck. She's also keeping up with her cardiovascular activity. So once they're at a point where all of those foundational exercises are asymptomatic or low symptom to where we are cleared to move to the next step, right. you start integrating those components slowly of what that sport is. What happens if they get to the next step and those symptoms start cre uh, creeping back up again? So like, let's say we were walking, we're jogging on the turf with her field hockey stick and the ball mm -hmm. and she gets increased symptoms higher than what I think is appropriate. So I use a three grade scale. If you jump higher than that, we're doing too much too soon. Mm -hmm. So if that was the case, then we let her take a break mm -hmm. and then we go back, we do half of that. So let's say we did the full turf. If we do half the turf and we don't face the sun, yeah, are you better? If she's better, then we keep doing that until that's not an issue anymore and then she can face the sun. So controlling that light component, like when we talked about light sensitivity. So it's a matter of either scaling down that task or if it's so severe that it spikes, then we just spend another week at the previous level. Yeah, so that was my next question. How long do you, do you drop back the previous level before you try again on the next level? It depends. So it could be 
just that next treatment session. It could be another week. It, de it depends on what their symptoms are. So if someone's like, yeah, my headache is constantly a three and they can do that task and it only goes up to a four, then we're okay to layer on more complexity to that task. Right. If they're doing it and they're jumping up from a three to an eight, we've added one too many pieces and the brain doesn't like how much it has to process right. everything that's happening and you have to take a layer away. So, so one of the hallmarks of concussion is that after this injury, the brain requires extra energy, hypermetabolic state, oh, yeah. additional ATP. So you start adding on these extra things, um, physically doing more activity, um, cognitively requiring extra coordination and whatnot. The brain has to coordinate all of that and that requires more energy. The, the injury already places in a hypermetabolic state and sometimes I think, and, and again, I'm not the concussion specialist here, that's the tipping point, right? Like, and then it's, you're doing too much. You can't get back to all of your activities. You can't back, get back to your regular activities. And the issue is the brain is in a vulnerable state at that point, right? Like, so if there's a second injury and we can go down this whole road, this road of second impact syndrome. Um, but if there's a second injury during that vulnerable period, it tends to be worse. The cognitive deficits and the cognitive injury and the other, uh, they tend to be, uh, they tend to last longer. They tend to be more mm -hmm. severe. Well, and other ways to, to combat that too. So I've had people where they got, they were better one week, worse the next, better the next. And then we figured out that it based off of when they were seeing me, they weren't eating enough. Yeah. So I have to talk about their diet. Easy, right? Water I, too. Yeah, I have to talk about their water intake. I have to talk about their diet. I have to talk about their sleep habits. I have yeah. to talk to them sleep and their hygiene. parents right, 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 right. Um, about possible psychiatric referrals. And I don't think that that should be a dirty word, right? Like, Not whatsoever. Psychological intervention is good across the board for so many things. But there are so many links to mood changes with concussion, whether it's during or after, um, that I start that off on my day one session. So all of those things can affect someone progressing through their full return to play protocol or not. Dom, in, in your three weeks there, do you recall setbacks? Was no. It, you went through pretty smooth Mowed sailing? It through. Yeah, I wanted to play. Yeah. And our last preseason game was versus the Eagles in <laughs> Philadelphia. Right. I'm a South Jersey guy. <laughs> that was one you had. Man, that circle. was important. My dad's an Eagles fan. Yeah. You know, so I wanted to play against the Eagles yeah. so bad. And but... I mean, taking a step back now, looking at it, setbacks or did you just not report were the you, setbacks or were you like, were you confident moving through the protocol? Yeah. Were you, were you kind of ignoring any warning signs and setbacks because of your desire to get back and play mm -hmm. or, or did you really breeze through the protocol? No, I was honest. Yeah. yeah. I could have lied. Sure. There are several chances I could have lied. Sure. Yeah. 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 Especially in speed the, it up, I guess. Right. Yeah. Especially in the first week, because there was a player that got a concussion the next game and he came back before I did. Um, right. So I could have lied. Sure. But I didn't want to. Julian Edelman, the Super Bowl, right? Stumbling around. Yeah. And fortunately for the Patriots, he goes and catches like the one touchdown. But, but like, yeah, people, people fake it and yeah. sometimes they get away with it. That's probably a good time to bring it up. I mean, Jess, we've had Dean Millard on multiple times. Um, so it's one of Jess's counterparts over here at Reconstructive Orthopedics. And mm. uh, he's also a physical therapist. And we've talked multiple times. Like, he'll just be like, like, how does a guy that gets hurt on Monday night clear protocol by Sunday? Right. And then, like, you haven't been very specific about what the protocol looks like, and that's fine. Yeah. Like, so in your, like if you had a 
how does a guy clear yeah. protocol in so six days? I thought about your question a little bit more, yeah. right? So if someone's seeing me, their return to play protocol is very different. And Dom's than, example here was like, then, and it's kind of like what I was getting at. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's different across the board, but also if we're talking specifically within the NFL, they will do some of those repeat sideline testings, right. right? So just kind of like your basic long and short-term memory recall, looking at balance. Mm -hmm. And then if you're asymptomatic, you're asymptomatic. So hopefully they're catching someone if they're trying to lie. Yes, I'm looking across the table at him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what we don't see on the other side here being that we're, you know, on the other side of the television not is in the NFL. right. Not not in the NFL and yep. not on the field is all of those athletes have different pieces prior to their concussion. Mm -hmm. Right. So people that we might see in clinic, we're looking at what's their age. Do they have any, what we call yellow flags yeah. and all of those things can slow their progression. Sure. So it's very possible that two people could sustain the exact same type of concussion on the exact same night. And one gets back in a week and one takes four weeks to six weeks. Mm -hmm. Because it depends on how their brain is functioning at the time they got hit. Right. Did they eat enough that day? Did they are they sleeping? Did they have sleep disturbances before? So when yeah. you that that's why I kind of said like I appreciate you calling a protocol because there are protocols quote unquote in place in terms of like we have to do X before we can get to Z, yeah. but. Those are all kind of what he's touched on in terms of like, I walked on the field, I jogged on the field, I ran, I sprinted, and then I did all those things outside, and then I did all those things outside with the ball. And we added and, in cones and changed the direction. Right, and, and so know. once you've kind of cleared all of those components that make up your sport, yeah, there really isn't anything else that we can do except, okay, it's time to see like, can you do practice? Right. And like, maybe you do practice partially and then you go full and then you go full contact, full pads, and then you go part game, full game. But the protocol is basically like, are you having physical symptoms yeah. that we can see with visual tracking assessment or a vestibular yeah. assessment? Are you reporting any symptoms? Is your scat or your impact test or whatever baseline testing you're using drastically different from your baseline and then physically fit are you physically fit to perform your job on the mm -hmm. field right. so that's kind of what the protocol is when does somebody like dom in your world ideally when does dom see you when does the return to play begin so if you had your preference personally in physical therapy you will see me well before we're even talking about return to play mm -hmm. um I hope because so. Because I, I honestly would like to see you within that first week you've had a concussion. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't always happen because... Well, from my understanding, another another lob for you here. Yeah? We don't start anything until we're 24 hours symptom-free. No. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the original or old school of thought was right. you don't do right. anything until you're asymptomatic, which Correct. means no symptoms. So and that's, that's what I remember being... In 2004, mm -hmm. nothing starts until you're 24 hours symptom free. Meaning, if you sustain a head injury on Sunday and you have a headache till Friday, yeah. you're not even seeing me until Saturday. And so, and what was happening during that time is that individual is being sent to their room or their house, being told to like sit in a dark, quiet room, don't right. do anything. And then when you're 24 Dom, hours, Dom's shaking his head. When you're 24 <laughs> right. hours symptom free, come and see me, and we'll do return to sport right. protocol. 
That is drastically different now. What is the literature born at? What, what is more of a reasonable approach? So you get 24 to 48 hours to have relative rest. Relative rest. Which right. means, yes, I want you to avoid loud noises. I want you to avoid bright lights. I don't really want you on anything that has a backlight, like a computer, a phone, or a TV. Overstimulating situations. Correct. Physically and, and cognitively. Yes. And how different is that world now where phones... TVs. Oh, like, it's, I mean, it's so hard because yeah. my my rule of thumb for all of them is you get two hours yeah. and they're like, oh, at a time. No, accumulatively <laughs> through your day. Yeah. So that's a that's a big piece. Yeah. Um, so now that 24 to 48 hour period, you're doing relatively less. But even if you still have symptoms, you're seeing me preferably yeah. two to three days after, and we're starting that process then. Because the earlier we can start that graded activity, whether it's visual, whether it's return to sports stuff based off of where you're falling, the better you will be overall. Because the longer it takes us to reintroduce any type of cognitive processing or activity, the longer it will take you to get better. Yeah, so I, I, again, I'm not the expert at this, but I think that's what a lot of literature shows. Jess that is. Jess is. <laughs> she's our, that's why she's here, man. The, the old approach of, of really limiting the, the, the stress and the activity actually prolongs the recovery process and getting into physical therapy and vestibular therapy sooner actually expedites the recovery. So waiting until you're completely asymptomatic is not necessarily the right answer. Right, right. And I think one of the, the, the biggest things that have come of this over the last few years, um, and Dom, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the topic, but when we talk about concussions in new sports, we have to remember that they're student athletes, right? Student athletes. So we've now developed a return to learn. And, and you know, Dom, it sounds like your, your most significant one was in the pro level, right? right. But there's now a huge push to, and I can remember at times, like I'm clearing somebody to return to, let's say soccer practice, but they're still getting educational accommodations made in the classroom because, you know, reading, taking tests is taking them, you know, a different amount of time. And I think one of the biggest, you know, one of the biggest things that have come of this is now a return to learn protocol. Yes. Um, you don't like protocol. Return to learn. <laughs> no, you can. No, you can say protocol. That's right. fine. process. Yeah. I mean, process, Dom, have you come protocol. across that term? Just, no, it's my yeah. first time hearing it. Yeah. Right. And, I, and, and I thought this might be one. You know, a, a development that has come across since you know Dom's, you know, professional days. But mm -hmm. I mean, return to learn now is just as big of a push. Like, yeah. If we're hold, if we're letting them go in the soccer field, but holding them out in the classroom, to me, that's a concern. Right. You know, so return to learn is just yeah. as big now. And I think that that also has come about, too, because now our eyes are open. And we realize you can get a concussion not playing sports, right? Like there are plenty of people who are not typical, like wouldn't typically consider themselves athletes that have mild symptoms with a concussion to severe symptoms. Um, but I would say typically I'm pushing for return to learn type exercises before we're doing return to play because they're student athletes too yeah because yeah. the schooling is important also that component of being around your peers can be very positive to your recovery so if they're staying out of class and they're home by themselves that brings into question what is their mood or their anxiety what is that psychological effect that you have keeping them out of school mm -hmm. when typically they're in school anywhere i don't know kids today i feel like are out at noon but we don't know, you know, like we don't know seven anymore. Hours, we don't right? know anymore. So, as of 2020 we don't know when yeah, kids are in they're school. they're all over the place <laughs> yeah 
Um, but the concept is is kind of the same. So there are different questions that I ask about like, okay, if you're sitting in class, like if you look at the board back to your desk, like when you have to track notes and then we turn those into exercises. Typically the physician is making those calls as to like, okay, you can go and sit in class, mm -hmm. but you can't do anything. You can go and sit in class and you can handwrite notes, but only for some of the class. So again, it's still the same concepts as what we talked about with your return to play in the NFL. But now instead of, okay, you're running on the field, you're carrying a football, you're sitting at your desk, you're on the computer. It's almost comical to hear you say it's the same, but different, but it's, it's very yeah. different. Like, yeah. <laughs> and we say the physician is making this call. This, this is in close coordination with, with the, like the school nurse and that sort of stuff. Right. It's supposed to be. Yeah, it, it typically so, is, right? So what what will happen is you'll follow up with your physician. How how we like to do it here is they're seeing you every week to every two weeks. And within those visits, if you're showing progress, they might write you a note for your school saying, you know, Sally can participate in class by going and sitting in class, but yeah. isn't required to take notes, is not required to take Stated quizzes deadlines, or tests. deadlines, tests, yeah. Right, and if they need to, they can go sit in the nurse's office at any point for however long that they need to. And then those requirements might change. And then that note is supposed to be taken to school. Sure. And then we are hopeful that the people who are at school are helping reinforce that, but it's not always the case. What do you need to see from Dom or a non-athlete, what makes you comfortable to clear back to no restrictions? So in the easiest way, without making it too complex with overlaying of different parts of a concussion, I want them to be pretty much asymptomatic at this point. Cause we're not talking about returning to great activity. We're talking about full activity. So I want you to be asymptomatic with any of those challenging aspects. Yeah. And then I want you to feel comfortable returning to those activities. So I've said to people before, like, hey, I think you're at a point where, like, we can start doing contact with mm -hmm. soccer. No, I don't think I'm ready yet. Okay, then you're not ready. Like, as soon as you say I'm not ready, yeah. you are not ready. Because that is a huge piece across the board yeah, with injuries. I, and I'm, like, sure, I'm sure Dom could speak on that, right? Like, if yeah. as an athlete, you yourself don't feel like you're ready, there's, there's not much that the sports medicine team can do to convince you otherwise. Right. Um, again, like I spoke on earlier, I was being honest with my symptoms. Mm -hmm. I had to make sure that, yes, I still do have a headache. Gail say from one to 10, one being the lowest, what would you grade yourself? And I would say about five or six or four. Well, he's like, I need you at a zero. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. okay. After like a week and a half, I was like, Yo, I really feel fine. I'm not getting a headache. Right. I can shake my head. I'm really there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm in the training room like a lion shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> so if you walk it past, they're like, what's, what's wrong with yeah. Dom? Right. But, but yeah, one of the biggest things for me was honesty. Yeah. And that helped me a lot. Right. Once the athlete gets over that hurdle of their self-confidence, Jess, mm -hmm. what else do we look for to clear? If they're already asymptomatic, then they're usually good to go. I give them a progression of like, okay, you're going to go back to practice. Mm -hmm. So like for my field hockey player, for example, mm -hmm. I saw her on a Wednesday. They had indoor practice on Friday. I was like, you're going to go. You're going to do half the practice. Right. If you feel good by that next practice, you can do full practice. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel good, I expect you to call or email me. Like I need to know sure. what's happening, even though you don't have a follow-up appointment. Now, if they're like, I'm ready to go, but I can see that we just did a sports-specific drill and they are not focusing or they're off balance, okay, you feel 
ready, that's great. There's other things we need to do so that I feel ready. And then we integrate in those balance or cognitive components to better challenge the brain to accepting that full return to play. So there are a couple things I want to try to squeeze in before, before we wind down. I think it's important stuff, even if we don't get like too, too super detailed on it. But one of the things I think we need to mention, and I'm curious to, to get your thoughts on it, and, and you alluded to it a little bit earlier, is, yeah. is, is the first one, CTE, right? right? Uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy and, and um, how that potentially could impact people, right? And, and, and mm-hmm. the junior seance situation, multiple other situations. Jess, first, 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 are you, you know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, the link hasn't been 100% established, but it's certainly, certainly considered to be a, a very strong link between repeated concussions and, and, and CTE. Mm-hmm. What, what is CTE all about? So CTE, which can only truly be diagnosed after an individual has passed, because right. you have to do um, a biopsy of the brain and like yeah. look at the brain tissue. Tau proteins is basically repeated trauma that has caused damage to the brain. And so the physical symptoms of someone when they're still alive can be mood changes, can be aggression, could be complete reversals of like someone was like a super happy individual. Right. And then they they lost their happiness and then in some situations ultimately took their own life. Or or, or families and and tragic. So it's still this sort of anomaly because the best that we can do is try to prevent second impact syndrome and try to educate and try to be preventative on what concussions. What is that? Yeah, what is second impact? Oh, yeah, I walked right into that. <laughs> Expert. You, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta stop setting myself up. So, like we were talking about earlier, when you finally came to a point where you're being honest, right? right. There were times when you had a concussion where maybe you weren't fully honest mm-hmm. um so do you ever recall a time when you had a hit whether you registered as a concussion or not and you tried to convince someone to go back in and they did or did not let you and then did you have another hit after that freshman year in high school i remember we were we were losing by a touchdown we had just scored and kind of tied it up so I wanted to make a big play to kind of get the ball back. And I hit the guy as hard as I could. Yeah. And I remember blacking out and I started walking and I realized I was walking towards their huddle. Right. So I started celebrating. So <laughs> <laughs> make it seem like I wasn't concussed. Oh, so man. I started you took the Started working out any yeah. way you can. So I literally was walking to the wrong sideline and I started celebrating. And then I kind of jogged back and I was on the sideline for a little while. And coach was like, what are you doing? Get back in the game. And I was like, coach, I just need a breather. I act like I was tired. I was like, man, I ran down there as fast as I could. I, let me get a breather. So I remember going back in um, a few plays later. And then, yeah, I, I did. I did. Yeah. So definitely so did. Even at that time, you kind of knew like, oh, I got a hit that I need this, to take a break. This from, bad. Which is bad. Which is good. Yeah. So when you have a hit like that, especially where you were – disoriented or pretending not to be because you're celebrating with the other team. Um, if you think about, I like to think about the brain as like the jello fruit cups. I don't eat them, but they usually serve as a good analogy, right? So the brain is that fruit that's in the jello. So when you hit that jello cup, everything shifts. And while everything is shifted, if you go back and hit it again, then I put it back in place. 
can help. <laughs> that is not what we're trying Spoken to say. Spoken like here. a true athlete. Right. Spoken like a true athlete. This is why athletic trainers and PTs have had to get smarter. Um, the jello can explode in a sense, right? Like your brain's not going to explode, but there is some level of trauma that has occurred, and then right. you can increase the swelling, yeah. right. so to speak, around the brain and inside your skull, Possibly which catastrophic. can cause serious injury mm-hmm. and or cause you to go into a coma or death. Luckily, it was the last game of the season. <laughs> yeah. But even still, he won't I really let, he won't like let your silver lining approach to all of these pieces here. And I, I did, I did have a great game that game. Right. Um, but looking back, I made the mistake of going back into the game. Yeah. And that kind of shifted my perspective on fighting through injury. If I can't, I'm not going to do it. Right. You know, it's just bottom line. Coach can hate me. I think well, Doctor, I think Dr. Frey would agree with me here. I mean, I think this leads into the, the topic of like how important is the prevention aspect yeah. of things at this right. point, right? Like yeah. education. And what and do we do? Cer- how do we certainly do? the education for somebody that's been through mm-hmm. it, right? Like where are we at in science where like that is a huge driving force to preventing these? I mean, a big piece is even what he just touched on is – he went in a second time and didn't end up with second impact syndrome. Like we can't predict that guy, right? Exactly. Yeah. We can't predict who's going to have that, which is why as soon as you say something to me or an athletic trainer that is like indicative of a concussion, like you're coming out because we're not going to risk your life. Right. So that is a huge piece of education. Like we don't know what we don't know and we're mm-hmm. not really willing to risk that. Yeah. So as much education as we can get out to athletes and parents and coaches and really just the general public, because then it pushes us to be more transparent with how things are being done on a collegiate level at the nfl level to make sure all athletes all individuals are being taken care of is really important but there are actually some things that can predict if you are at a higher risk of concussion so two things that are really important is your cervical strength which is why it's important to see your local physical therapist my name is jess harrison (laughs) (laughs) the expert expert. (laughs) also your peripheral vision so that's where some of those visual exercises that we can do come into play and so you can come and see me and be like hey i just want to get a screen and like be preventative like great i will give you a program Um, But those are two things where you can physically try to prevent concussion, and that helps limit the amount of rebound the brain has in the skull. If your neck is stronger, the brain doesn't hit the skull or contact the skull as much so that the concussion tends to have less severe symptoms. But education is a huge component in making sure people understand that just because you can't physically see that that person is having an injury there is something serious going on and you have to respect that because if you don't, that's an added stress that then could potentially prolong their recovery and prolong their symptoms and could could drastically alter how they arrive on the other side of their concussion. I think this is you know the perfect opportunity. So, you know, this is now episode 35. Yeah. Every time we say we wish we, we recorded what we didn't record. Yeah. Um, and although, you know, Dom has, you know, probably made this one of, one of our most informative two episodes so far. Dom, so far, most interesting thing that you've talked about before we were recording is mm. your life after football, right? So, right. you know, so y- you get released from the Jets, but your life has now taken on a much different path. And, and I find that to be the most interesting. I mean, would you mind talking about what you do now down here in the community? What I learned from Oprah, <laughs> a football a player who watches Oprah, use your life as a class. 
And that's sort of what I wanted to do mm-hmm. because that's what I wish I had when I was younger. Yeah. I wish I had an expert who knew things that I needed to know right. as I was traveling my journey to become an NFL player. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I wanted to do was come back home, start there and give back to the kids of the community mm-hmm. and let them know that I'm no different from them mm-hmm. and that here's what I've learned along my journey of going to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I do like to educate them on depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, aside from concussions, sure. a lot of the things that the kids are doing nowadays, like staying at home, not exercising, not eating right, mm-hmm. you know, not their water intake is horrible. Right. You know, that can cause tremendous depression. Mm-hmm. And now as a football player, if you're still doing that and you get a concussion, yeah. It's 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I like to educate them on some of the things that I've learned based off of the concussion that I've had. Right. I didn't know those things led to that type of depression. Yeah. But having a concussion allowed me to do the research to learn that, hey, that's why you feel the way that you feel. Mm-hmm. And it changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. How does uh, how does the community how can we get in touch with you? What's the best way to do that? Ooh. A lot. Okay. I won't give you my phone number. No. Yeah. Nah. I mean, are, are you on social media? Yeah, I'm on social media. Um, my social media on Instagram is DW Inspires with an S at the end. I'm not really on Twitter. Fine. Not Twik TikTok. Yeah. Facebook is Dom Williams. I have a company that I'm building called Players in Transition to where I'm trying to help athletes with their transition out of sports. Heck yeah. And into the real world. Right. <laughs> um, so I do have an Instagram handle, players in, players in Transition, and we have a Facebook page, page mm-hmm. called Players in Transition. I have a YouTube page called DW Inspires as well, to where I have a podcast called Players in Transition, to where I get a lot of different players from high school, college to pros to talk about their life after the sport that they played because that was the one thing you mentioned earlier that i really liked you said that you didn't want people to see football as the end goal but the vehicle and i thought that is a really powerful statement for for kids and young adults and even like professional athletes who then have to transition out of that sport to view it that way yeah football was it for me it was football or die and luckily i didn't die and i made it football but um, once it was over, I was lost. Mm-hmm. I was lost for about five years. I don't think you're alone. Yeah. I don't think you're alone. And I wasn't. Yeah. And, I, and I found that out. When I tried to get jobs, I had no clue how to get a job. I had no job experience. Mm-hmm. Didn't know how to write a resume. Right. They're not a lot of fun to write. Though, so <laughs> yeah, but. You need to know. Why are you writing a resume? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have to, I have oh, to get hey. the job somehow, Jason. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Um, so we know how to reach you, but you, you you touched on earlier about who do you go and talk to? You you mentioned a few different things. I mean, you've talked to teams, right? Mm-hmm. Or just individuals alone. Yeah. So I've I've gotten into motivational speaking. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, really, really share my story. I have a true overcomer story. I had to overcome a lot. I know we talked earlier about all of the injuries and everything that I have. If you hear my voice. It may sound deep, 
but I'm five nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm only five nine, two hundred pounds mm -hmm. on, on a good day at the time when I was playing. But I had to overcome a lot. You know, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the strongest. Um, I didn't have the tangibles uh, that the teams glorified. I wasn't even recruited out of high school. Right. You know what I mean? But I still managed to make it to the NFL. Wagner, mm -hmm. Staten Island. Wagner College, yeah. Staten Island. Yeah. Italian food all day. That's right. <laughs> some NFL, some CFL. I love Staten Island. Um, but yeah, man. Um, so, you know, as a, as a motivational speaker, I use my experiences of failing and overcoming a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what a lot of kids need today. Yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll share ways to contact you on our Instagram um, and, and people that, you know, follow us can, you know, have the ways to reach out to you. Because uh, I, I feel like you should be in front of just about everybody at this Man. point. I mean, your story is just tremendous. Thank you so much. Yeah. You only heard half of it. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> I, I really I, think we should do an after hours and then you can like really yeah. get this whole story. After hours, man, I tell you my story, you'll be like, Dom, <laughs> how are you still walking? <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, th these these past two episodes, uh, you know, it, it fell in line with every everything I would uh, expect from a Pepe Dragada referral. There we go. You know? <laughs> my hero, man. Now, there, there are two other things I want to, I think that are important for prevention. And I, I think the key to the prevent for prevention is is, is education. Mm -hmm. And and you know appropriate technique and and and, and really education treatment and, and trying to um, acknowledge or, or or recognize the injuries. Two other excellent resources would be Heads Up via the CDC, and then the NCAA also has a NCAA concussion website and, and two excellent resources for people that athletes, coaches, parents educate themselves. Also, real quick, mm -hmm. um, I forget the guy's name, but the Concussion Foundation. Mm -hmm. They do a lot. I've been scared to go down and uh, to Baltimore to do some of the research. Right. Um, getting the uh, I forget what it's called. Is it? I think they like put you in like this big tube. Is it? Are they doing CT, CT or scans? MRIs? Are they is doing it, MRIs? Yeah. I think it's everything. Okay. It probably is an MRI, but it could easily be both. Right. She mentioned it, but I'm afraid to do it because I don't want to know the truth yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but like you could always go and just ask them not to give you your results until you're ready. Okay. But contributing because to the science and figuring more out. You can help along the message that you're trying to push. Right. I never thought of that. But you have to figure out when you're ready. That's why right? you're like the expert. You, <laughs> that's you that's why she's the expert. <laughs> but yeah. Jess, as, as our expert, and you beat me to it, I was going to say the exact same thing next. As the expert, as expected, we had two, two episodes out of this. How much did we not cover and how many more episodes could it be? I mean, I'll talk about this all day. I'm, I'm very right. passionate about this, but there are definitely a lot of pieces that you don't know or you can't talk about until you have that individual in mm -hmm. front of you. So like you could easily have done all 35 episodes on concussions, but I don't know that everyone wants to hear me talk that much. Right. So <laughs> there's always more to learn. Yeah. So that's why it's important to always educate yourself as much as you can and to listen to what your child, your athlete, that individual that potentially has a concussion, listen to what they're saying. Right. So yeah, a lot, a lot of other episodes. We'll uh, we'll get these out to the public. We'll we'll wait for feedback. Again, you can reach us at sportsmedontap at gmail.com. We welcome questions, um, you know, other topics we didn't cover primarily regarding the concussions, but 
you know, maybe we can trouble Dom somewhere down the road. We yeah, just thanks, do, man. We do another two episodes. Thanks for coming on. ACL, call <laughs> me. There we go. I have two. <laughs> yeah. Let's start with Jess. Jess, we, we can't thank you enough for extending thank your goodness. what was supposed to be your early night. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, staying with us tonight for you know two episodes, uh, and then certainly Dom. Uh, we honestly couldn't have done this without you. Like I said, there's there's only there's a very select few of us that have been on the other side and. This episode wouldn't have been what it is without you, man. So we, we thank you for coming Appreciate down tonight. It. Appreciate you guys as well. Man. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. Before we go ahead and close our tab for tonight, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination, where you can find Jess Harrison, our concussion expert. Neck of the Woods for hosting us each and every week, located right here at 614 Lambs Road, Pittman, New Jersey. And again, our good friends at Timber Reel Productions, Joe Warner, our on-site producer, and Kyle Miller, our editor. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.